You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with assurity that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. Um, I don't know if it's so where you live, but I'm rather happy about the fact that here in southern Missouri, it seems that spring has finally come and it's going to be in the 60s all week. So there's that. Now, this episode is titled Bringing Down the Church. And no, it's not about actually getting rid of churches or anything like that. It is the reasons why people don't often attend church. Have you ever invited someone to church and they've responded by saying, I can't go to church, the walls would fall down around me, or the building would catch fire, or something to that regard? Chances are someone you know has responded that way, or it's possible that you yourself have responded that way when invited to church. There are a few different types of people who don't attend church, and in each group there are several main reasons they don't attend. And I'll do my best to address the main groups and the main reasons for not wanting to attend church. However, I will only be discussing people who believe in God and not atheists or agnostics. So lack of belief will not be discussed as one of the reasons, but lack of faith while still believing in the existence of God is fair game. The people who believe in God but don't attend church can be broken down into two main groups. Those who are living lives that are an obvious contradiction of of, uh, biblical principles and their sin is committed openly and is on on full display. And those who mostly look like church people and hide their sins just as well as any regular churchgoer does, but doesn't see any benefit to attending church. And in both groups, the level of individual faith varies widely. Despite outward appearances, the underlying reasons for not wanting to go to church are basically the same for both groups. I have, upon inviting people to church, uh, mostly from the first group, often been told that if they were to attend church, the walls would fall down around them, or the church would catch fire, or that lightning would strike them dead, etc., etc. And in every single instance, the person I had invited to church knew, as well as I did, that none of those scenarios were even remotely likely to happen. But that is a common go-to excuse, and an excuse is all it is, designed to make it clear that they are not living like quote-unquote church people, and that they have absolutely no interest in attending church. With people in the second group, when they're invited to church, the excuse is usually that they are too busy for church or that they don't want to go to church because the people there are too judgmental and too self-righteous. And sadly, The last criticism is all too often true with far too many churches. When I was younger, 
If I was given any of these excuses, it was mostly the end of the conversation. But now I use it as an opening to discuss the true purpose of church, which is not a place for perfect people who have every detail of their lives together to pat each other on the back at their obvious success. But it's rather it's a place for broken and imperfect people to reach out for help, like a spiritual hospital. Let's face the truth. Let's uh, face the truth. That's what I meant to say. Even the people who outwardly look as like they have it all together are just as broken and plagued with sin as the rest of us. They just hide it better, is all. And they need Jesus just as bad as the most vile of sinner does. Without Jesus, the smallest sin is just as terminal as the largest sin, because apart from Christ, we're all dead in our sins, and dead is dead. There's no degrees of deadness. Either you're dead or you're not. It makes precisely as much sense for people to go to church just to pretend they're perfect as it would for them to go to a hospital with an illness or injury and then pretend that they're not ill or injured and for the doctors and hospital staff to go right along with it, telling them how well they're doing and how much healthier they are than the people outside of the hospital. And sadly, that's what happens actually in a lot of churches. Everybody goes to church and pretends they're perfect and that they don't have any sin and that they have their lives together. And the leaders of the church pretends right along with them and nobody gets any help because nobody admits they have any problems. Not only that, but those kind of churches aren't equipped to actually help people. Churches, like hospitals, are places to go for help, and they're not just a social club. If a social group is all you're getting out of church, then either you, the church, or both are doing something terribly wrong. People who are sick don't need a hospital or doctor, and those who are perfect don't need Jesus or the church. However, since the only perfect person to ever walk on the earth was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, despite what some people think about themselves, or at least claim to think about themselves, none of us are anywhere near perfection, and all of us need Jesus. And all of us would benefit from attending a church that teaches the Bible without adding or subtracting from it. And I throw that last in there because there's a lot of churches that instead of teaching the Bible, they uh, cherry-pick it or they just uh, teach their own opinions instead of the Bible, and that's not a good place. So make sure the church actually teaches the Bible. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and it's not just some. So all of us need Jesus, and we all need the support structure of a church. In both groups of people who don't attend church, those who are obviously not living the stereotypical church life, and those who could pass as quote-unquote church people, there are four main reasons that they're not willing to attend church. One, they are completely unwilling to make any changes in their lives, and they're not interested in socializing with people who don't like the same sins and vices that they themselves do. Number two, they like their sins, or at least they're comfortable with their sins, and they're afraid that they will be convicted and faced with the choice of either continuing in sin but feeling bad about it, 
or giving up their favorite sins and changing their lives. Three, they're afraid that they've gone much too far to be forgiven. And four, they're afraid of how the church people will look at them and or treat them if they start going to church. Now, these reasons aren't mutually exclusive, and a lot of people choose not to go to church for several of these reasons. A sad fact that I feel compelled to point out as well is that those who are not churchgoers are not afraid of how they will be treated by churchgoers for no reason, and their fear of being shunned or treated poorly if they attend church is a direct result of how a great multitude of church people treat those who are not just like them. If anyone, and I can't say this too strongly, if anyone has ever come to your church and you have shunned them or treated them poorly because of how they smelled, how they looked, how they dressed, or for any other reasons, you should be ashamed of yourself and you should ask God for forgiveness and a change of heart. And if possible, you should ask forgiveness from those you treated poorly as well. When people are completely unwilling to make any type of positive change in their lives and they're not interested in socializing with people who don't live like they do, then there's not a lot we can do for them except pray continually for them as only God can change their hearts. And until they have a change of heart, they will never pursue God. When a person revels in sin and is completely unwilling to change and completely uninterested in God, they're not at that point capable of coming to God, and he has to pursue them and change their nature before they can even consider coming to him. Um, you, such as it says in John 6:44. So don't give up on people who are in this situation, though. We may very well be the instruments that God chooses to bring them to salvation. Now, I can't say this is the way it is with most people in general, but most of the people I know personally who believe in God but aren't interested in going to church fall into the second category, which is generally being happy with their sins and the way they're living and not wanting to go to church because they know that they will be confronted with their sins and they'll be convicted and will be forced to either feel guilty about how they are living or else give up their sins and change their lives. Anyone who is raised in church or spent a lot of time around church people knows the term convicted, uh, knows what it means. But since some of my audience is not from a Christian background, I will explain. In church speak, to be convicted means that the Holy Spirit touches your heart and makes you aware of your sins and your need for a Savior. Until you are aware of the need for a Savior, you'll never look for one and you will never accept one. A lot of people who are in the second category have the misguided notion that they will turn their lives around later in life, sometime before they die. But the problem is that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, and we never know when we will die. And just a quick caveat, I'm not at all saying that you have to go to church to be saved. However, uh, typically when people don't want to go to church, they're also not doing any of the other things that would show a uh, fruit of repentance. It's not showing that they're trying to live for God. And going to church with other people who are trying to follow God is definitely a positive thing. So, but uh, with those people who say, who are in that second category, they think that they'll change their lives and 
give their life to God at some point before they die. But as I said, you never know when you're going to die. And one of the major problems with being in this group for too long is that it can lead to searing of your conscience to the point where you no longer feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit and eventually lose faith in God. And a lot of people in this group wind up falling over into the first group where they're absolutely not interested in any kind of changes in their lives and they're perfectly happy living in all kinds of sin. In fact, a lot of the people that I know personally who are in this group were regular churchgoers and stopped attending upon falling into sin of some sort and not wanting to be confronted with it. And now they're just uh, they're justifying all sorts of sinful behavior that they used to be disgusted by and now even doubt the very existence of God. However, I'm not sure if they actually doubt the existence of God or if they're just trying to convince themselves that there is no God because that would mean that there are no moral absolutes and they can be their own judge of what is right and what is wrong. One person I know who's in this group continually prayed for me when I lost my faith in God after leaving the Mormon cult, but then stopped attending church and stopped believing in God after being unfaithful to their spouse. A while back, I managed to convince this person to go to a church event with me, and though they tried to hide it from me, they, I noticed that they were touched and they were crying during the event. Despite the fact that this person has pretty much all but come out as an atheist now, I still pray for them continually and, and ask God to change their heart. The third group is those who firmly believe in God but don't see any point in changing their lives because they're afraid that their poor choices that they have made in their lives were just too bad and that they've gone much too far and that there's no way that they could be, ever be forgiven for all the wrong they've done. They basically think that what's the point, nothing's going to change anything now, and no matter what we do, we're still going to go to hell, so we might as well just uh, try to have as much fun in this life as we can. But one thing to keep in mind is that the very universe was created with just the voice of God, and that it's no more difficult for God to forgive you of your myriad of sins than it is for him to make a blade of grass grow. If Paul, who actually killed Christians, could be forgiven of his sins and used mightily in the service of God, then your sins aren't any problem for God. When Jesus was performing his earthly ministry, he wanted to make sure that, pe that uh, people knew that he had the power to forgive sin and that he could, and that, uh, he could do it at will without requiring the person to do anything first. It's all about God, not about us. Just like when the spirit of death came through Egypt, it looks for the blood of the lamb above the door with no consideration of who is inside the house. It was the blood of the lamb that saves us, not our deeds, and Jesus is the perfect lamb. And uh, that verse I was telling about was John 2, 1 through 12, and it says, And when he returned to Capernaum, so after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not 
get near him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all. And they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. And an interesting thing about that story is that this man didn't come to Jesus looking to be forgiven. He came looking to be healed. But Jesus wanted him to know that actually being forgiven was the much greater thing. If you think that you've gone too far to be forgiven, or if you know someone who's afraid that they've gone too far to be, to be forgiven, uh, first off, you have not gone too far to be forgiven. But I would highly recommend that you check out an earlier post I wrote about the subject called Have I Gone Too Far to Be Forgiven? And it was also a podcast episode. And if you'd like to listen to that or read it, I will put a link to that in the show notes so you can find it. The fourth reason that people don't go to church is as that they are often justifiably afraid of how they will be treated by the people who regularly attend church. And we've all heard stories of how someone was treated despicably at church by those who should have welcomed them with open arms. And a lot of us have our own stories as well. I highly doubt this is true, but I heard a story once that perfectly illustrates this point. There was a lady who had not been to church for many years, and one Sunday she decided to attend church in her area. And after the sermon, the pastor approached her and suggested that she pray and ask God what the proper attire for church is. The following Sunday, the woman came back to church wearing the same dress that she had on the previous week. And the pastor approached her and asked her if she had prayed to ask what the proper attire for church was. And she said that she did. So the pastor said, and what was the answer? And she said, God said that he didn't know because he'd never been to this church. And the point of that is, is that, you know, if they're treating people like that, then God isn't in that church because that's not the way God treats people. It's completely unrealistic to expect a person who walks into a church off the streets to look and act like those who have been attending their entire lives. And if they're treated poorly for not fitting in well enough, then they will feel ashamed or rejected, and they won't want to return. And even worse is that when a person uh, who has lived a sinful life goes to church, they're shunned and treated like they have the plague, when instead they should be praised for making an effort to turn their lives around. And every practical effort should be made to assist them on their journey without making them wish they had not decided to come to church in the first place. In a conversation with one of my cousins, 
she told me that the reason she doesn't attend church was that it was a struggle getting the children ready to go, and once they were there, the people treated them like outsiders, and they didn't get anything out of it. My cousin said it wasn't worth fighting the children to get them to go to church just to feel like they were trying to force themselves into a place where they didn't belong, like a hobo at a fine restaurant. The best I could tell my cousin was that not all churches are that way, and that if she gives a little effort, that she'll find a, a church where her and her family belong. But for her, that bridge has already been burned, and she's not willing to even make an effort. Another possible reason that people are, or not possible, a definite reason why a lot of people are leery of going to church, which is uh, falls right into how they're treated, is that they don't want every aspect of their life controlled by a church. And a lot of churches exercise a great deal of unrighteous dominion over the members of their congregation, from what they wear to their finances and every other aspect of their lives, regardless of how mundane. And they go out of their way to make anyone, to make sure that everyone who doesn't follow the rules precisely knows that they're going to hell in a handbasket. If you've ever had a bad experience with church, I implore you to try again. Just make sure it's a church that teaches the Bible and that it's not just the opinions of the leaders. And if you are a church person and you notice that you rarely have new people attend, and when they do, they don't come back, I would implore you to examine your behavior and pray about what changes you could make to better reach those in need. And that's one of the things that... that um, I really liked about the church that I attend the very first time I went there. There was a couple going to church that obviously didn't look like everybody else, and they didn't dress like everybody else, didn't act like everybody else, and they didn't obviously didn't have any money, but people treated them uh, the same way as they treated the people that showed up, and they and the new $80,000 Escalade. So, you know, and that's the way, it, that's the way it should be. Everybody should be treated like they're welcomed. And there are a lot of good churches out there. You just might have to go check out a few. And again, I say, if, you're, if your church isn't one of those good churches, you need to change and make sure it is because, because church isn't about getting with people and being on a clique and talking about how good you're, how, uh, how righteous you all are living. It's about changing your lives and following Christ and helping others to do the same. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.